0: Welcome to Healthy Perspectives with Jeremiah, a podcast that brings you current social and cultural issues through a clinical lens. Hello, hello. Welcome back. Uh, There's a, a big influx of people listening lately, and I just want you to know I really appreciate that. Uh, as, as we continue to develop this thing organically, I'm just really excited that some of you are finding this to be helpful, useful, uh, maybe even a little entertaining at times. Uh, today, I got a good one for you. Something I've been, I've been trying to figure out how to put this one together. I want to address free speech, but I want to do it from a clinical take. I've been wrestling with it for a while because what I didn't want to do is come in here and get all political up on you. Like, that's not the point. But at the same time, politics is a part of our culture, and I just can't ignore it. And so I think I've come up with a way that will help clarify a little bit of the issue and tie it to some of the clinical stuff, some of the psychology behind it. So I, I, what I've done... Uh, is I have, uh, you know, I I started with, let's ask some questions, because asking the right questions from a clinical lens is usually a great starting spot. What are the questions that I should be asking? And I started with the first thing. Is free speech a clinical issue? Uh, Yes. Now, how does it tie directly to the clinical stuff autonomy it ties directly to autonomy autonomy is an individual thing it's done individually not necessarily collectively right my autonomy is my autonomy until it interferes with your autonomy all right so yes the short answer It definitely is connected directly to the clinical world. I am not here to take away autonomy. And that is the framework for which I have to look at this issue as a therapist. So the next question, if free speech is a clinical issue, then what about the idea of controlled speech or silencing People. Is that a clinical issue? Of course, the answer to that is also, uh, yeah, duh. If one is, the other one has to be as well. So we started from that. Now I'm going to pro and con these two things to death. So hang on. This part's going to go quickly, but I, I want you to have some takeaways here. So pros and cons, the, or, or the risks and rewards, as I'm going to frame them. The risks of, of free speech. Hang on. This is an interesting ride. Secrets, lies, and deceptions. Yep. That's a real risk of free speech. Uh, now, unfortunately, it's also a reward of free speech, and it's a risk of silencing or, or, or controlled speech, and it's a reward. So it falls in all of those categories. So at the end of the day, uh, the, the idea of secrets, lies, and deceptions, those are going to exist. That doesn't mean we need to accept that they exist. We need to understand that they exist and do the things we can do to eliminate secrets, lies, and deceptions like accountability. That being said, I'm going to go on to other risks of free speech. Individual persecution goes up. Put that in perspective. Individual persecution goes up. The idea that a person may be isolated and picked on or a person may isolate and pick on a, another group, a person, a, uh, a system, that goes up with free speech. All right. What else, what else is a risk? Too much information to process. Just the general overwhelm, both emotion, thought, uh, stuff like that of information. Well, we've been experiencing that with the increase in social media and, well, free speech. Uh, blind spots resulting from the overwhelm. As we get overwhelmed psychologically, we may shut down. And if we shut down, in some ways, we're going to create blind spots. So blind spots go up in the, in the risk category. Uh, dissent from governmental decisions. When you have free speech you encourage dissent. Can you put some uh, bumpers around that? You know, like if we were playing pool, can you put up a you know a little a little bumper pad over there and a bumper pad over there so that it stays in? Possibly, we'll talk about that later. Uh, discriminatory speech. When you have free speech, the risk is it could be discriminatory. That's a reality. A hateful or mean speech could rise. It's a reality. An increased risk of false speech from individuals. That would go up. Why? Because people feel like they can say whatever they want to say. And they would be protected in free speech to do that. What are the rewards? Organic social constructs. Ooh, that's weird. Think about that. Organic social constructs. In other words, what was can change in the new because free speech allows more rapid movement of ideas and ideologies. And as we've seen, right? But organically, they are created. So the grassroots stuff is much more effective and impactful when we talk about free speech. Uh, a decrease in oppression. Wait a minute. That's weird. Didn't you just say that you could have mean speech and hate speech, and, but a decrease in oppression? Oppression is systematic. When you have a rise of free speech, The system loses power. And I'll talk about that again later. Better access to opposing views. You could learn a whole array of possible answers to questions that you might have. And you'll have more access to it because it's free speech and people will say what they say. For instance, me sitting here doing this. A decrease of censorship. A decrease of censorship. A censorship, there you go. A decrease of censorship. When you have free speech, censorship goes down. And there's, I mean, that could almost fall in the risks category, which I did highlight over there a little bit. But the decreased censorship allows everyone to feel like they're part of the discussion. That's a good thing. That would be a a benefit or a reward. An increase of stupid speech is a reward (laughs) as people find social norms or push boundaries. Why would that be on the reward side? An increase of stupid speech allows us faster growth and development. That's a good thing. When we... Limit stupid speech too much, growth can be halted, stalled, ignored. That's not a good thing. People have more power to shape government. It's individual focus, not systemic focus. And then there's more systemic accountability. Why? Because Joe Schmo off the street can come on to a podcast or a radio or a TV show and they can lay out their opinion or facts or thoughts or feelings because they have free speech. Silencing or controlled speech. Let's do the risks there. Obviously, I talked about secret lies, deceptions. I'm not going into that again. It's on all the categories. Oppression is a risk. That's the prolonged mistreatment, prolonged mistreatment. The risk of that goes up when systems have too much power, because the system is not going to want to quickly respond, uh, systemic persecution, not individual, but systemic. Somewhere in the background, there's a group, a small group oftentimes, or an individual, a dictator, let's say, who sets what is good and healthy and what is bad and wrong and unhealthy. Which means systemic persecution will go up. An increase of blind spots. Why? Because the system will try to cover up their mistakes. That's just a normal systemic thing. Um, Just like on the individual level, it's normal to have confirmation bias. The same is true systemically. So blind spots will increase within the system. Um, And there will be less ability on the individual to impact the system. So it can stay there longer, creating more harm. And increase of fear of the system that could go up. Poor accountability of large systems. So that would be, uh, something like we see this in like dictatorships and stuff. When we, when we look at them, uh, they, the government gives a contract to somebody who probably isn't the best bet for the contract, but they want to because they want to support somebody that they like that happens to be at that company. And so They create an exorbitant contract for an underachieving organization and you get less quality of work, poor accountability. What are the rewards of the silencing or controlled speech? Established social constructs with communication. Those become known. The system will say, if we see anything like this, They will overreach, of course, um, just as individuals would. But they will overreach. And that set aside, the communication expectations are a little simpler to know because they build them into the constructs. All right. Uh, The uh, protection, Uh, the, the idea that if I stay within the constructs, Somebody will look after me. Now, if they look after me, that means they are getting somebody. So in that way, on the individual level, there's more legal constructs built in to protect you from other individuals, but not from the system. A decrease in individual persecution from individual to individual or individual to small group that would decrease potentially in some categories okay a decrease in fear of individuals why because we're more concerned with what the system thinks than what the individuals think so the fear of other individuals goes down greater perceived accountability of individuals, which I kind of hit that a second ago with the um, decrease of individual persecution and uh, protection. But the greater perceived accountability of individuals, that changes some stuff in terms of boldness of people in elite positions already. They will feel emboldened by it. Why? Because in the system, They know that somebody near them is going to look after them and you end up with these these very different dynamics, okay? So at, at, at Healthy Perspectives, we tend to scale things with healthy and unhealthy. Now, I've gone over this. You can go back and look at my scaling podcast from, I don't know, way back at this point. But healthy and unhealthy. So if looked at objectively, this is me you know, therapeutically dissecting this. Controlled speech tips toward the system, okay, the system perspective, and free speech tips toward the individual and that autonomy piece, okay? The question then becomes, do you think that the system can make life healthier or Can the individuals within it make life healthier? And that is the ultimate question that I wanted to get to here. So from a therapeutic point of view, I don't take away autonomy from an individual. Why? Because as therapists, we understand the individual psychology. I can traumatize somebody if I take away their autonomy. And I want to use that only as a last resort. It's not a first stop or a second stop or a third. It's a, you're a danger to yourself or somebody else. Outside of that, you have autonomy. Now, how do we define danger? Life-threatening. It's the only thing that comes into play. There has to be a life-threatening or imminent harm, serious harm to an individual that is about to happen or just happened, then we can take away autonomy. Like, think about that, like the police will detain you. Well, as a therapist, I'm not going to detain you, but I could potentially, if I know you're harm to yourself, potential like suicidal ideation, homicidal ideation, and it's a real threat, I could call the police and they will detain you. And they will probably transport you to a hospital where you can get uh, evaluated. So if the real question is, do you think the system or the individuals are going to be able to do a better job of creating health? If that's the real question, then where do we draw limitations? If you have a system view, and you say the system can do it better than the individuals can. You still have to look at the same dang things the same stuff. If you think it's the individuals, you still have to look at the same things. So what are some of those things? You have to look at hate speech. You have to, whether you're a systems view or an individual view, you have to look at hate speech, defamation, fraud, threats. You have to look at pornography and sexual immorality. You have to look at addiction, gambling, drugs, sex, social media. You have to look at money, finances. These are things you have to look at no matter what side you lean on saying, I think the system can do it better or I think the individual can do it better. You have to look at these things, these limitations that it will have. In the system's view, the hate speech could go on for centuries under a dictatorship. Now, you might fall onto the side where it's like, oh, it doesn't affect me. And so you think it's no big deal. So maybe you buy into what the system has told you. On the individual level, you have to deal with hate speech. One way or another, you've got to deal with these limitations to speech that are presented whether you are a systems perspective or individual perspective. And then the question that I, I have next from a therapeutic lens, who draws the limitations up? Is it the government? Is it private business? Is it the consumer's? Who draws that? This is tough to wrestle with because we all see the flaws when it comes to speech. We see those things, those points of contention, those hurts, those people who, uh, I'll just anecdotally tell a story that came to me just now. Um, So if it doesn't come out perfect, that's okay. I'm not perfect. I remember uh, I I worked with a young man about probably 20 years ago. And this young man uh, was racist. He was straight up racist. And he had no idea he was racist. Like truly, like this might baffle some of you out there. But this kid had no idea. He was raised in a home filled with racism. To him, it was normal. And we created a safe group environment to explore racism. And one day, he throws out some absolute racism into the group. Truth of the matter, this is what was really going on. He felt for the first time, safe enough to test out what he had been thinking from the beginning of the group. He had been thinking these thoughts of like, that's dumb because, you know, fill in the blank, black, brown, you know, pink, purple, yellow, people can't, uh, you know, do that because they're, they're just too dumb. He truly thought that was reality. And so when he felt safe enough to throw it out in the group. Now, luckily, I don't know. No, maybe not luckily. We had set a good foundation to manage this when it did manifest. A a foundation of safety where he ended up doing a ton of learning. But what did he have to do first? He had to get courage to test His hypotheses, the ones that were crap, that were racist, in a group where he knew he could get honesty without as much judgment. Until the judgment was taken out, he didn't feel safe enough. He wasn't going to present it. So the question then becomes, for me, who draws the limitations? I go back and I say, do we want to help individuals grow and get better? If that's what we are wanting, if we're wanting people to transform into a better version of themselves, then it's not about converting them into a systemic view. It's about inviting them to a change. There's a big difference between those two. If I try to convert you, hey, you need to be a free speech guy or uh, you need to be a controlled speech person. Like I could try to convert you, persuade you, Or I could invite you into the dilemma and offer you the options and say, do you want to put your faith in a system or a collective of individuals? Now, me being a therapist, I swing far over to the free speech side because I am individually focused. Now, when I start talking about systemic uh, issues within families, uh, I understand the system. But my leaning, and w- this is potentially some bias on my part, so you know, just hang in there with me. I'll walk you through my thought. My leaning is towards the free speech and the individual because I truly believe that the culture is made up Of individuals, not the other way around. The individuals aren't created because of the culture. The culture is created because of the individuals, which automatically makes me lean in the direction of, nope, we need to, we need to give that organic growth, uh, that collective mindset, the opportunity, because that allows us to manifest our dream, not yours, not mine, but one we collectively can create. And I just think that's, generally speaking, a better path uh, from the psychological standpoint. Uh, It doesn't... uh, It emphasizes the power of the individual and the optimism of growth. So that's where I would lean from a clinical standpoint. And yet... I can see the benefits to controlled speech. If I didn't, I would be really concerned. That would be my bias getting in the way. Which by the way, was part of the reason this took me so long to put out there. I wanted to make sure I did it well. I wanted to make sure that I did it in a way that was understandable. And I wanted to do it in a way that didn't just say, it's because I'm right. I know what to do. And so that's what I did. Takeaway: Here you go. Look, no matter which side you lean into, no matter which one it is, you are still going to have to deal with the limitations of that perspective. The things like hate speech, defamation, fraud, threats, porn, addiction, money, So maybe we spend a little bit more time wrestling with those hard topics. No matter which side of the table we fall on with this speech thing. All right. Thank you so much for joining us. I hope that was helpful. Have a great day. Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed the show. Take a look at the details of our podcast for links to our website and other helpful information.